RexMuscle.com brings you Quantum Physiques, building strength and power for your mind, your body, and your spirit. Alternative medicine, muscle growth, mood enhancement, motivation, putting your mind at ease, harnessing your maximum potential. Quantum Physiques, here's your host, Brian Cunningham. And welcome to another edition of Quantum Physiques, where we strive to build strength and power for mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Wanted to uh, do a couple of things tonight, actually. It's a little bit uh, off the cuff, but no show on quantum physics, which really derives its name, of course, from quantum... I'm sorry, no show on quantum physics, which derives its name from quantum physics, would be complete without actually going into the father of quantum physics, um, the man who actually coined the term... The Matrix, upon which the movie was based, of course, and upon which Greg Braden's seminal work, he wrote a book called The Divine Matrix, a phenomenal book and documentary that I want to actually get on the show at some point, was based upon. This man is none other than Max Planck. So we're going to do a little bit of a segue into Max Planck and how it relates to quantum physics, quantum physiques, and also medicine too, which as we all know, is a big aspect of taking care of ourselves is you know, mind, body, medicine, how it all kind of works and integrates into this grand puzzle calls you. Just talking with my famed producer, Jeff, before the show here about listenership and uh, you know about other shows and how much they inflate their numbers. And it's kind of funny. I was thinking about this this week, actually. Um, you know, in all honesty, I am probably the antithesis of a show trying to get more listeners. And yes, I, we do succumb every once in a while to the pressure of wanting to increase our listenership. But, you know, the heart of what the show really is about is not reaching the masses, not reaching the, the Jersey Shore, uh, you know, Guido, Gumbo, Dumbo, you name it, wannabe, uh, and mofos basically out there. It's about, you know, I guess singling out those lone individuals, um, you know, I guess in a sense, the few that really are interested in going deeper and I guess uh, peeling back the onion and really seeing a deeper reality that, that exists here and, and having an awe-inspiring vision of what this brief 70 seconds of a lifetime can be and what, what you can really experience out of it. And so, you know, in essence, I hope that people out there tune out of my show and tell you the truth because, you know, if anything, I really should strive to turn people off this show because I'm really looking for you, you know, and you know who you are. You're the guy right here um, producing the show, right? You're the guy on Facebook asking me questions and stuff, you know? Jeff, uh, Roddy, Suzanne, um, who else? Who we got here? Mike, Bob, John, as an example, too. These are the people that I'm really after. And everybody else, you know what? Do me the favor and turn off the show, really, because it's really not um, worth my effort and time. Some interesting stuff in the news, I guess. Uh, Number one, the Super Bowl this past weekend and uh, the halftime show. I thought it was kind of interesting because after Madonna did her little uh, thing, which is pretty good, actually, there was, uh, I guess, a big banner appearing on World Peace. And I just thought it was pretty interesting because, uh, you know, that's kind of an illusion that we in the Matrix hope, right? One day we can have world peace. One day we can actually get everybody together to actually accomplish that. And so um, the truth is, is that world peace is never going to happen. This Matrix is the cause and effect domino um, matrix that we all know as being mechanistic, which is what physics has shown us. And in this world, it's pretty obvious that um, this is just how things are. That you know, this whole idea, these illusions that we aspire to of world peace, are never going to happen. But the teachers, the great sages that have come through the ages, of course, be it Rumi, Buddha, and Jesus, have all said the same thing, which is basically, you're not going to get world peace. You're not going to change the world. Um, Without, number one, of course, changing your inside. So I would say, honestly, that world peace is not a goal. The only real aspiration one can have is for inner peace. Because with inner peace comes world peace, actually. Because as Lao Tzu writes, uh, thus she remains serene in the midst of sorrow. Which basically means, you know, thus the, the warrior can walk through the battlefield without any emotions. Um, because you know he has he has made himself at one. He has atoned in a sense, right? To become at one, that word means that uh, he is okay with whatever is with what is. And so, in the essence of Buddhism and of Christianity, also is as of seeing the joy and the beauty 
in the brutality and the brevity of life, that paradox, right? I mean, this is the thing that we all run away from is this fact that life is so full of pain and it's so short and so temporal and our conscious mind is so... Um, afraid of that. And so we create these ideas, these monkey, this monkey mind creates these simplistic ideas of gods and of all types of stuff to kind of quash our, our unconscious uh, sense of, of frailty and of fear. And yet the Buddha and Christ and Rumi talk about waking up, about really seeing things for what they are. Not, I mean, the Buddha would say as an example, and probably even Christ too, you don't even need a God. You just need right nowness. You need to be right here, right now, and to realize that in this moment, when you're feeling that angst, the angst of existence, if you go deeper, if you feel into it, you can actually experience in that pain and brevity of life, like I said, the paradox, because what it begins to emerge underneath that is the joy and the beauty of life. And uh, that's what the show's based on, really, is about going deeper. It's where Alice in Wonderland's uh, rabbit hole meets, some, what's his name, Stephen, Stephen Hawkins' uh, wormhole, basically, right? It's where, and it's all inside you. It really is inside you in this fifth dimension, as I call it, the fifth dimension of now, which is what, of course, Eckhart Tolle and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, and they're all talking about, basically. So once again, if you could do Jeff and I a small favor and like our Facebook page on Quantum Physiques, that'd be great because we do post uh, notes from previous shows and links to various websites um, of interest, of course. Uh, one more thing I want to mention, I did get my grounding kit. Uh, Jeff and I had talked about that previously. And actually, uh, Jeff had raised a point about the fact that it was confusing why it was plugged in. Turns out that these grounding um, sheets that go on the bed or that go underneath your com- on your feet on, when you're sitting by a computer, they're not plugged into the wall. They're actually um, plugged into the grounding uh, outlet in in the socket. In other words, there's two prongs that go into the the power line, but there's a third line in there. Of course, that's called the ground, and the um, the sheets plug into that, which is what uh, gives them, I guess, their ability to kind of neutralize charges. So I got my grounding kit and I get them on Amazon for a pretty good price. I got it because one of my friends, he's a UFC fighter. Again, he was a, a national level, uh, potentially national level contender, had said that within a week or two of using uh, his grounding kit, which includes you know the grounding sheet for sleep on the bed and of course the one for your feet when you're on the computer, he said he had some pretty significant changes. He was very positive about uh, this being uh, something worth trying out. So I thought that was interesting and, and worth checking into. Another thing, too, I thought it was kind of interesting today. Someone mentioned that um, Josh Powell, the man in Washington State uh, whose wife was missing a few years ago and he was a suspect in her murder, he actually blew himself and his two kids up. Um, pretty crazy story. Um, apparently, I guess this guy uh, was fighting for custody and wasn't winning because the officials thought he was unfit, which obviously he was. I think most parents are really unfit. And of course, it's kind of interesting how a lot of parents, when they want to kill themselves, they want to kill their kids too. I mean, this again shows the ultimate selfish nature of the ego. I mean, this is really why people have kids. They don't have kids for love. That's really, because again, cockroaches have kids. Um, you know, rodents have kids. There's no sense of, of love there other than the, the program, the matrix program of, you know, raising something because your genes have programmed you that way. And so of course, as what happens a lot of times is when, um, parents kill themselves, they, they want to take their kids with them. So um, one of my friends was saying how this is like survival of the fittest. This is like Darwinianism in, in practice because he's weeding himself out of the gene pool. And I said to her that, you know, it's not as simple as that. Believe it or not, evolution is a little more, um, not sophisticated, but it's a little more counterintuitive than our little cockroach brain can actually get a handle on sometimes. This is why there's so much science. There's just, you know, generations of, of people that research and spend time just doing one aspect of science to understand, you know, because it does take a lot of often counterintuitive thinking and looking at data and being able to realize that a lot of times our genes that dictate our behaviors are not there for us. They're not there to benefit us. And so a lot of times committing suicide and murdering people, as an example, or going to war and willingly sacrificing your life makes, you know, is, is really not smart for the individual, of course. 
But um, how does that happen? How does that those genes for those behaviors get passed on? And, and this is where the counterintuitive part comes in because when you have back in our ancestral past, you have a clan or a tribe that share the same genes because they're all familial. They're all from the same family, of course, so the bloodlines are there. Um, you know, genes that would make individuals more self-sacrificial would tend to benefit, even at the cost of their lives, would tend to benefit the group more. This is, again, why Darwin, Darwinianism is not as simple as survival of the fittest. It's also survival of the most cooperative, or in a sense, it isn't just about the self being benefited, it's about the group as well. There is both individual and group selection going on. It's an important facet, an important point to realize this because you know, groups that go out and can fight more bravely or fight more ferociously and willingly give their lives, they're going to tend over the course of generations to probably be more successful versus groups where the individuals are very selfish and don't want to die. Because when it comes down to a battle, as you guys probably know from watching UFC or whatever, it's, it's kill or be killed. And so obviously if you're not brave enough to be willing to die for that cause, uh, you're probably going to lose. And so again, that's why these genes have propagated. So a lot of our behaviors, and this is why we have a lot of problems, because you know a lot of our behaviors, or, which are derived from our genes, are there because they benefit our genes, but not us, but on us. And that's exactly why, um, you know, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <clears throat> so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, hopefully later on in the show, I want to get into um, the idea of the word metamorphosis. Uh, as you know, Jeff and I both are really into philosophers and both science and spiritual, um, you know, I guess philosophers, Michio Kaku, for example, these, you know, um, Howard Bloom, my friend, of course, men of science, but also men that are able to integrate and weave this science into a fashion that the average idiot like me and you out there can actually, you know, kind of digest, right? Um, but also you have these sages that are, are really science scientists of a different, of a different um, approach in a sense, right? Science in a sense goes to the outside world to get answers. I think uh, and that's a desire for truth. I think spiritual masters also have a, a desire for truth. I think really spirituality is, in essence, a desire for truth. And yet it's just simply the journey inside, uh, which really is where ultimately science will head back. Because unfortunately, what science is not realizing or what it is beginning to start to realize is that um, the inside really is what determines the outside. As Deepak Chopra has said, turning back within myself, I create again and again, meaning it's my perception. It's, it's my state of being that really ends up determining my reality. And uh, this is something, again, that you could spend years thinking about um, with the, uh, it sounds so simple. It seems, and I know you understand the words, and yet I guarantee you have no understanding of the words. You have no grasp for the depth of what that means. Um, just like, for example, probably, you know, guys that spend years and years pursuing, you know, a uh, champion powerlifter, champion bodybuilder, some idiot comes to you off the street, spends six months in the gym and thinks he knows what he's talking about as far as sacrifice, as far as the ability to get under some heavy weights. They have no understanding. You can tell them what to do and they can relate to your words and to the information coming out of your mouth, but until they've actually experienced it and understood the depths of sacrifice or the depths of your, of your connectedness with all the different aspects of what that means, they really have no understanding of it at all. And so I think that's a important concept. So hopefully later on, we will get into um, the idea of metamorphosis, which of course, bodybuilders and athletes, of course, are always seeking on a physical plane. But um, perhaps we can get into more of uh, the Franz Kafka um, and his seminal work, uh, which is about a man that wakes up one day and realizes he is in fact a cockroach. And uh, of course, I've used that analogy, that metaphor many times because- on the scale of what knowledge could potentially be and what man has achieved, even the greats of Einstein, you know, we are not even at the level of a cockroach intellectually. And it's kind of a humbling, to me, it's a very humbling concept to realize that. And um, so, yeah, let's take a quick break. This is Brian Cunningham on Quantum Physique. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this quick break. Quantum Physique. Building strength and power for your mind, body, and spirit. 
Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy. Your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com, the newest and hottest supplement super site. We carry all the major brands, including Species, MHP, BPI, BSN, Optimal Nutrition, Gaspari, and many more. Low on cash? No problem. ExtremeFitNutrition.com offers competitive prices that our competitors can't beat. Now you can supplement your diet without having to supplement your bank account. Here's some of our specials. Buy $100 worth of Species products or Metabolic Nutrition and get a free t-shirt and bag. Buy two. $200 worth of BSN products and receive a BSN t-shirt and shaker bottle. Remember, there's only one extreme. Visit ExtremeFitNutrition.com now. Out on the edge of fitness and endurance, there's a line. It's where winners and losers are defined. That's the narrow place where Gamma O gives the serious competitor the extra step. That extra kick nobody knew was there. Gamma O raises your testosterone level naturally and legally. So before you step up to the line one more time, be prepared to bring it with Gamma O, the all-natural testosterone booster. Gamma O is available nationwide at General Nutrition Centers or on the web at GammaO.com. If you train hard, you need to recover hard. Training elevates cortisol, but so does stress and tension. Stress is the number one health risk you face today, and not only causes you to put on abdominal fat, but it's also one of the contributing factors in the top six causes of death, which includes heart disease and cancer. But now you can relieve that stress, rebuild, recover, and feel great with fast-acting Gabitrol. Gabitrol works quickly to help you improve relaxation and recovery, reduce cortisol, elevating stress, and reduce binge eating. Plus, Gabitrol will also help you to get that deep, restful sleep. Warriors are built, not born. And now you can build a better body with fast-acting Gabitrol. Recommended by New York Times number one best-selling author, Dr. John Gray, Gabitrol is available now at rxstress.com. Hydrolyze Ultra, the leader in cellular hydration water. Hydrolyze Ultra water has been designed by shrinking and reshaping molecules to allow a faster and more sustained delivery into your cells. Our cellular water has gone through a magnetism and laser treatment process, along with adding electrolytes to our special ingredients. This allows all nutrients to be absorbed at a maximum cellular state. By using Hydrolyze Ultra, all nutrients, supplements, and carbohydrates you consume will be absorbed at a greater rate. Lactic acid gets flushed faster, and you'll feel full hydrated. Get the advantage that top athletes have achieved. Try Hydrolyze Ultra today. Visit HydrolyzeUltra.com. That's HydrolyzeUltra.com. P28 High Protein Bread is the official bread of RX Muscle. Are you looking to incorporate more protein into your meals or just want to enjoy bread again? Then look no further. Try the 100% natural P28 High Protein Bread. P28 High Protein Bread is a formulated revolutionary breakthrough product. Packed with whey protein isolate, 14 grams of protein per slice, 12 grams of carbs, 8 essential amino acids, and made with 100% whole wheat. Fear bread no more. Build a better body with P28. Order today at highproteinbread.com. P28 is also now available at bodybuilding.com and many other retailers. Order now. Highproteinbread.com. P28 bread. RX muscle approved. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook, where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding, bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today.
rxmuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet, and exercise, up to the minute news, and more. Visit the rxmuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q and A's with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows, including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, RX Muscle Place. Visit rxmuscle.com. And welcome back to Quantum Physiques. So the first thing I wanted to get into, of course, was the father of quantum physics, Max Planck. And I think who better than to, um, I guess, integrate an understanding of this than Bruce Lipton. Bruce Lipton, of course, is one of my mentors. He is the father of, well, not really the father of, but basically one of the founders of the idea of belief. He wrote a book called The Biology of Belief. And so he is, in a sense, one of the pioneers in the field of epigenetics. He has um, been a professor at Harvard. He's done a lot of work and been published in peer-reviewed literature, of course. And he talks about, you know, the shift uh, from Newtonian physics to quantum physics and what that means. He talks about the fact that mainstream medicine, again, I'm not down on medicine. I'm most a lot of my good friends, like Dana Hauser, who I do consider a good friend, is a medical doctor. Um, so I'm not down on medicine, but I do think that as it's so far behind the times, it's so um, just you know of Stone Age mentality. And again, Bruce Lipton will show here about that. So let's cut to this clip and get into that. Uh, here's Bruce Lipton on epigenetics and on physics. Uh, seeking truths about the world. I heard lots of interesting truths from so-called spiritual people, but then saw their lives never match their truths. And then as I started to get older, realized that science was where I would go find my truths about life. And so I was not a spiritual person at all. Got into the science and was, of course, ingrained with the conventional beliefs of Darwinian biology and genes control life and genetic automatons, biochemical machines, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I had the great fortune of uh, getting my Ph.D. at the University of Virginia under a, a, um, a brilliant scientist by the name of Erwin Koningsberg, and he was one of the first people to clone stem cells. So I actually was doing stem cell cultures in 1967, so that's 40 years ago. Well, people think oh, stem cells are this brand new thing. It's like, no, stem cells have been around for a long time, except a very exclusive um, um, club studying them. And the beautiful part about my stem cell research was as I started to do this and I was cloning genetically identical cells, I started to realize that if I would take these genetically identical cells and put them into separate Petri dishes and then change the environment in those dishes, that in one dish they will form muscle, in another dish they'll form bone, and yet in a third dish they would form fat by changing the conditions. Uh, you stop for a second and realize, well, wait, they were all genetically identical. So what is it that controlled why they became muscle or bone or fat? And the answer was very obvious. It was like information from the environment. So this started to lead me on a different trail than all my colleagues who were getting focused on the, on the genome and you know building up their background to create the genome project while I was doing this. So I was taking the road less traveled at that time. I was looking into the role of how the environment influences the expression of cells while everyone else was looking at how genes control cells. And yet, my papers were published in, in very prestigious journals, and uh, the, the results were very clear. It wasn't even ambiguous. It was that the fate of the cells was uh, primarily determined by the environment that cells find themselves in. So when I published this, uh, I was, of course, very excited by this, but then found myself to be a very small crowd of one in my uh, community because uh, I had violated, violated, mind you, what is called the central dogma. The central dogma is the pillar of modern biomedicine today. It was a concept that was coined by Francis Crick, the guy, one of the co-discoverers with Jim Watson of the DNA Double Helix. And the central dogma simply says this, and you, you're very familiar with it, is that the flow of information in biology goes from DNA to RNA to protein. 
And this is established in all the textbooks. It's still in all the textbooks at this very moment. So it says information flows from DNA down. And uh, therefore, since your body, which is made out of protein, and the proteins are coded for by the DNA, then we have bought the belief, as the dogma says, that your fate and your lot in life is determined by the genes you receive at, uh, at conception. So we become uh, you know, victims of our heredity in this sense, if you understand it from this point, that you didn't pick your genes and you can't change your genes. And since your genes control your life, then you're a victim to those particular genes. That is the message that conventional science has been teaching. And the issue is, that's, that's totally false. When I got out of medicine... And I actually looked backwards and I said, you know, I never really looked up the word dogma and I looked it up in a, in a dictionary and I was shocked because the definition for the word dogma is a truth based on religious persuasion and not scientific fact. Challenging the dogma officially makes me a heretic and what was called science but by definition now is more religion. Quantum physics and quantum mechanics or Newtonian physics and Newtonian mechanics. What you see is that physics and mechanics are synonyms. So physics really means the mechanisms by which the universe operates. The new physics, quantum physics, was something that I really wasn't into, nor were any of my colleagues in the medical school. We were all trained in Newtonian physics. And the difference between the two is very profound. Newtonian physics says the world that we live in, the universe we live in, is a, is a machine made out of mechanical parts. If you want to understand how it works, take it apart. Study the pieces, change the pieces, change the operation. That's the basis of medicine. We look at a human body. It's a machine made out of physical parts. When it's not working right, change the parts by buying chemicals and drugs. Uh, and that's the way that conventional medicine operates. When I started to read the quantum physics, I realized, oh my goodness, the, the whole foundation of the universe is not based on a mechanical, physical universe. It's based on the invisible energy called the field. So uh, let's say if I hold a magnet right here in front of you and you can see the magnet but what you can't see is the invisible magnetic field and, and so what it says is well we are physical things in our world like physical bodies we're immersed in fields electro uh, magnetic fields magnetic fields itself uh, all kinds of fields like telephone uh, cell phone fields uh, television fields radio fields whole ranges what is the difference between the Newtonian physics and the quantum physics is this Newtonian physics focus on the particles. Quantum physics says, you want to understand why the particles take this shape? Then you have to understand the field. It's the field that controls biology. It's the invisible forces. There's a great quote by Albert Einstein. and It's, it's simple. It goes, the field is the sole governing agency of the particle. In other words, in the world of invisible things, fields, and particles matter... It's the field that gives shape to the matter. This becomes relevant. It says, okay, here's the physical particles of my body. Why are they in a healthy state or why could they be in a sick state? That's the physical expression. And the answer is, well, to understand that, don't look at the body. You have to understand the invisible forces in the field. And it's fun because if you think about it, when, when, of course, when you were young, at some point you must have had like iron filings and sprinkled it around a magnet, and all of a sudden you saw the iron filings form that pattern of the magnetic field. Well, quantum physics would look at this pattern and try to explain how come all the iron filings fell in this pattern without recognizing that the field exists. In other words, can you explain why the iron filings have this shape if you don't recognize the magnetic field? And the answer is absolutely not. The body and its cells are like iron filings. Medicine is trying to understand the nature of the body by looking at the iron filings. And quantum physics says, if you don't understand that invisible field, you can't understand what's happening in the body. Max Planck, one of the founders of quantum physics, talked about this invisible shaping field and gave it the name The Matrix. And that, of course, has been used in the movie. And, and, uh, and in fact, uh, people have talked about this matrix. Some people refer to it as the divine matrix. Uh, my friend Greg Braden, who wrote a book about that, meaning not only is this the invisible field, the energy field, but it equivalent to many people what is God and spirit. Invisible forces, whether you use the physics context and talk about invisible forces as fields, or you use the spiritual context that says the invisible forces are spirit, the spirit and the field at least represents the same thing in modern science. So science is bringing the spiritual concept of invisible forces 
into play into the physical world that was left out by Newtonian physics. So Bruce appropriately talks about Max Planck being the the father of quantum physics. Uh, he actually is a Nobel Prize winner. This is Max Planck, of course. Um, was born in 1858, lived to around 1947, and he coined the term the matrix or, or the field. I thought it was interesting. I actually looked him up a little bit in some of his quotes. Pretty cool stuff. This is, again, one of the fathers, or the, the father of quantum physics. And some of his quotes here I thought were pretty interesting. All matter originates and exists only by virtue of a force. We must assume behind this force the existence of a conscious and intelligent mind. This mind is the matrix of all matter. He also writes, scientific discovery and scientific knowledge have been achieved only by those who have gone in pursuit of it without any practical purpose whatsoever in view. So that was pretty interesting. Another interesting Max Planck quote, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing postulates consciousness. Another one I thought was good is, um, let me see here. Science cannot solve the ultimate mystery of nature. And that is because in the last analysis, we ourselves are part of nature and therefore part of the mystery that we are trying to solve. And another one here too, as a man who has devoted his entire life to the most clear-headed science, to the study of matter, I can tell you as a result of my research about atoms this much, there is no such thing is matter. Actually, the actual quote is, there is no matter as such. This is, again, um, the father of quantum physics. And uh, it's pretty profound. If you just think about this, the fact that the mind is the matrix of all matter. And it really opens up a Pandora's box, both on the, on the positive and the negative side. Because again, there you are, your mind is there naked, standing in the darkness of the cosmos, um, if you think about it. And it's just uh, you know, a powerful metaphor. You are the the everything and you are the nothing. Life is meaningless in a sense and also it has all the meaning you want to create. It's a, it, it unloads an enormous amount of responsibility, of course, on us because we have been raised as, as dominoes or, you know, again, as, as, as sheep in, in the society of ours uh, to basically just fall in line and to believe the, the company motto, right? The, the, the credo that we're given by, um, you know, by society, by all our institutions, and so that's the unnerving aspect of science, or actually of spirituality and of science, both. They deconstruct everything that we hold the sacred. And I mean, look at Jesus. He was not a Christian. He was not even a Jew. Uh, he went in there basically and deconstructed the, um, the status quo of the times. Uh, the Buddha, the same thing. You know, Lao, Lao Tzu, uh, he, he would run away from you know society, yeah. The, the guards, the king actually had to go and kidnap Lao Tzu. He was so busy trying to avoid people. So those are pretty interesting concept. So as um, Bruce Lipton so you know astutely points out that uh, medicine really is behind the times, and you know this idea now for a more holistic, integrative approach is what's so important because really what it comes down to is understanding that medicine has not kept up with the times, it has gone, it needs to go from a Newtonian perspective to uh, one based on quantum physics. And that would open up a whole different understanding for it. You know, this field, this field of consciousness, again, it's when you have these bits of iron filings and you're looking at the pattern and you're saying, wow, how interesting is that? Look how they form a pattern. And you're trying to understand their very nature, but without realizing that it was the field that determined the shape and configuration of those iron filings, you're missing the whole point. You're in the Stone Age. And this is, again, why I'm not saying you shouldn't trust your doctor, but you have to start understanding this, that your doctor was trained uh, in a very primitive way, even in spite of all the medical journals and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not, again, you know, I'm not um, deconstructing all that. There is a lot of veracity to it. Yeah, but the same token, it's up to you. It's your responsibility to start taking the next step and understanding that there's more to it than just our doctors would have us believe. So I'm on the uh, Max Planck quote on thinkexist.com and there's some other pretty interesting quotes here. I just thought I'd read them off to you. I thought they were pretty good. This is from the uh, famed ancient Greek fabulous and author uh, Aesop. Outside show is a poorer substitute for inner worth. 
That's probably something that bodybuilders and athletes might want to keep in, in, in mind because, of course, a lot of us are so consumed with how we look on the outside. We're so consumed with our sense of self and how we appear to other people. And uh, it's kind of ironic because, again, when you look at the science, this is, again, going into uh, you know, psychology and evolutionary biology. Uh, you don't even exist. I mean, this whole idea of, of you and of self is an illusion. It's, a, it's an artificial construct um, I remember reading some studies or some, uh, some information about the fact that our, our sense of self is really more a reflection of what others communicate to us. Uh, and again, this is kind of funny because Lipton talks about the fact that our environment shapes so much of how the cell uh, expresses itself, right? How DNA and RNA and all these things are triggered, not by just the mechanistic um, you know, approach that, that Newtonian physics thought of, but by the environment. And so again, here we have the, your very sense of self, again, is not something that is, as we thought, mechanistically appearing from inside, like I'm just a certain way. You're actually just this, this confluence of, of stuff coming in from the environment. And so, for example, when uh, people know that they're attractive, right? And they have this attitude of being beautiful, like models is an example. And I've trained many uh, models. And I can tell you, definitely, a lot of them have that typical model attitude. They have underdeveloped brains. They have overdeveloped sense of, of ego and of their, of their beauty because to a large degree, um, they've been programmed that way. And again, this has been shown in babies, right? You take a baby and you have them look at two people. One of them is beautiful and one of them is not as attractive. The baby will naturally gravitate towards the attractive person. So again, these are, again, part of the matrix. It's part of the program. And of course, then this blank slate that we all are reads this and begins to weave together uh, this web that we think of as ourselves. And it really isn't even true. Again, in the idea of um, how we behave and how we act and what our choices are, the science again shows that it doesn't come from your conscious mind. You're not in control. You think you are. But I can tell you one thing, you, you haven't solved your problems, have you, obviously? And that's because you can't even stop thinking. If, you, if you're so in control of yourself, take a couple of minutes. I mean, I, you know, I should even ask Jeff how, how his meditation's going. Again, we know what we should do. But yet we don't do it. And the reason why is because, of course, we're not in control. Because what happens is that these impulses come from our subconscious and they really dictate what we do. And then our thinking mind has to explain all that away. And this works very simplistically, for example, with sexual attraction. They've done tons of studies and they've shown that what happens is, um, for example, with women, uh, they can smell a sweater and if they find the sweater smelling good or bad, they can then take the same men whose sweaters they smell. And we're talking like a group of 40 or 50 people in a party and to a T, the women will find and seek out and find the, the, the man that they, whose sweater they found was smelt good. So they're basically picking these partners and finding them attractive based solely on, on their smell. And again, this shows again that, um, you know, these programs are kicking in. And of course, if you were to ask these women, they'd say, well, I, I chose that man because he's got a great job and he's got this and all that kind of stuff. And it's all bullshit. It's, again, it's just the conscious mind. It's the you, the self, explaining away why it did what it did. And yet again, it's just the robot. You are a robot. And this is why, again, there's all those movies out there from The Matrix to Terminator to iRobot to Bicentennial Man all pointing to this same fact that we are just robots. There's nobody inside, you know? Um, and this is why, of course, then people like Rumi and Christ and Lao Tzu and Buddha have said, well, you know, is there something deeper? Is there a real living being inside of me? Not this dead computer that we think is real, which of course quantum physics has shown. And again, you can look at this. They've said that this whole thing is an illusion. It's not really alive. So if you want to use those two terms, the diametric, then you know what? It's dead. You are in essence dead. And I can really make a really cogent argument for that. So again, this whole idea then again is that when you realize the science, is there a, a living um, essence beneath this fabric of the machine? And that's where you find out that the ultimate reality is something that uh, is infinite, eternal, everlasting, call it whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's, it's even beyond the field, I think, in the matrix, to tell you the truth. It's way beyond that. I really um, have met uh, several teachers that have told me, and I really believe this, that when they say you have no idea, 
you keep learning and meditating and coming back to deeper and deeper understandings of this eternal truth, which cannot even be put into words. And yet still, even at that level, you still have no idea Uh, because your very ideas of that, which transcends your, your mind, which creates the ideas, um, it, it can never be within your grasp. You can never grasp it. So that's pretty amazing stuff. A couple of things in nutrition that we probably want to get to as well that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, number one, there definitely is uh, an urgent need for us to step up and support dietary supplements. Now, again, as you all know, this show advocates uh, personal responsibility, advocates the ability to choose, the freedom to you know, be able to choose and, and what we want to do. And uh, I think that um, the FDA has constantly shown its um, aggressive uh, attitude towards banning or, or over-controlling dietary supplements. And I think recently now there's the um, new legislation coming out that is looking to really curtail this. So if you could take action, what you can do, if you want, I'll post a link up on the uh, Facebook page, uh, is um, to click on the link and maybe just send a little note to your local representative. I think the link actually will allow you to do that pretty easily. Uh, it would be great because we really do need, do need to keep this um, a freedom of ours, freedoms to have nutrition. Again, here's an example of just how bad this is. Um, I take 10,000 IU of vitamin D a day, 10,000 IU. The, the RDA is 400 IU. A very pathetic amount. They're looking to revise it up to 2,000. So the science, again, the FDA, of course, and then the science of the RDA is, again, Stone Age. It's pathetic. Um, now, with that said, with my 10,000 IU a day, I have my blood test done recently because I'm doing a show with Dana Hauser, of course, uh, looking at my blood results. And on the scale of 30 to 100, the vitamin D scale goes from 30 to 100. My vitamin D levels were 47. That's what... 10,000 IU a day. So can you imagine if vitamin D was controlled and I wasn't allowed to even take that? I mean, definitely with the host of studies coming out showing just how damaging low vitamin D levels are, especially if you have darker skin. The darker your skin, the more you need vitamin D because chances are if you're living in the United States, you're not in a climate that's going to give you enough exposure from the sun. So... um, that's one small example, of course, as to why I think having access to dietary supplements is so important. So please do contribute uh, to that by clicking on the, uh, on the link that we're going to post in the forum and on the Facebook page. Other things I think that were interesting, too, was the um, critique of, well, this is the one by Life Extension. There was a critique they did here on the... Um, what is it here? Yeah, synthetic alpha tocopherol. Again, you know, one thing that I definitely have been a big fan of is with vitamin E. I hope everybody knows this by now is that you should not be taking alpha tocopherol, um, at least not by itself. Alpha tocopherol is definitely not the one that is more prevalent in our diets, and therefore our cell membranes also show a preponderance of gamma tocopherol. And so, all the studies, and this is why that you know these these studies don't even really incorporate these aspects into what they look at. I mean, there's so much to the science. There's so much more complex than, than mainstream medicine would even have. Um, but you can't just take an alpha tocopherol by itself and do a study and, and think you're going to come up with anything of, of benefit. And so it's a very flawed methodology. So uh, you do need to make sure that you are taking uh, a mixed tocopherol with a higher amount of the gamma tocopherol, of course, um, and this is something here else that I thought was pretty interesting. The Iowa Women's Health Study showing that uh, different nutrients were dangerous. And again, uh, Life Extension writes that their, their methodology is so flawed and their data is so uh, subject to critique that the study really should just be totally discredited. And that's a pretty interesting, um, I guess, analysis and why it's important to make sure that before you look at the headlines, you go and, cir- and seek out um, other people, other experts, or other you know respected uh, organizations to see what they say about it, and you then form your own opinions. Because if you're just going to go by what the New York Times science writer writes, and she's actually very skewed against dietary supplements, um, they're going to sensationalize typically the negative uh, for dietary supplements. And I think that's pretty important to realize. So I'm sitting here also uh, drinking my smoothie, and again, you know, again, there's so many great shows we did about the benefits of smoothies and uh, you know how easy it is once again to make uh, 
quick meals on the go. I mean, Jeff and I both talk about how busy we are and how it's often easier to drink. Uh, it's actually easier to drink meals, but also it's easier to drink healthy meals because, uh, you know, making a salad and having to put ginger in it or, or doing a stir fry takes a lot of time. And it's definitely, um, you know, it's awkward. A lot of times, you know, as a guy, I, I really don't have the time or the value. I don't value it enough, but I can put a couple of cubes of aloe, a couple of cubes of ginger, uh, you know, a teaspoon of curry. I can add some, uh, I have tonight, my smoothie has some sprouts and some mixed field greens, a little piece of a banana. And, um, you know, and then for dessert, I had a piece of, uh, of uh, toasted uh, Ezekiel sprouted grain bread with raw, uh, raw chocolate, raw cacao. Basically, it's raw almond butter with goji berries and raw cacao. And I'm talking like for me, because of how I guess I've, I've um, trained my taste buds, uh, it tastes delicious. I mean, the Ezekiel bread, the almond butter, the goji berries that had a little bit of sweetness, uh, and then, the, of course, the raw chocolate on top of that. So we're talking like a, basically almost an all raw, you know, lightly toasted uh, bread. It's a, a great dessert. And uh, it sounds crazy, but as a lot of you know, with discipline, you will shift what you find comfortable and tolerable till you get to the point where something like this can actually be enjoyable and appreciated as a dessert. Uh, so that's, that's a pretty interesting thing. So again, please listen to those previous shows. Somebody did send a comment about the uh, hydrogen peroxide foot soaks, which reminds me actually in the smoothie, I do add lecithin. I'm a big fan of lecithin um, for a lot of different reasons because of acetylcholine, of course, are an important brain chemical, but also because it helps, uh, it's an emulsifying agent that helps the liver. Now, uh, if you listen to last week's show, you had um, Dr. Jeffrey Bland on there. He has talked about the fact that non-alcohol fatty liver disease is an epidemic. Our livers are so toxic and are slowly loaded up with all the shitty stuff we're putting inside our bodies that um, the liver cannot function properly anymore. And so this non-alcohol, uh, I guess, mediated uh, liver disease is really becoming an issue. Lecithin helps uh, to keep the liver functioning properly. It helps with bioflow. It helps with a lot of good things. So less than is something I do add to it, to my smoothies on a regular basis. So wrapping it up, back to the Super Bowl. It was an interesting game, of course. Um, I thought it was, again, this whole idea of world peace was really um, juxtaposed against the Western civilization's motif of, you know, of course, Madonna, number one, very overtly sexualized and again, overtly masculine. And she's been, she's a very, um, what's the word here, androgynous or, um, you know, just a, a figure that can go both ways. I think definitely with her masculine energy that she vibes, uh, I think she always draws the ires of the critic. The critics always come out and are always putting her down because of the fact that she dares to step up and, and claim that throne of masculinity in a sense, right? Again, society, once again, wants to... Um, you know, deconstruct or, or demasculinize people that, that get tend to get out of control or tend to step over their, their boundaries. But also, you know, just the emotions living here on the border of New York and Massachusetts, again, in Connecticut. Uh, and I'm really on the borderline of giants and, and um, Patriots territory here, right outside of New York city. Uh, people are so polarized, so tribal, and it's just an interesting contrast of we seek world peace, and yet at the same time, we, we also propagate the same systems that guarantee the fragmentation of society, the splintering of, of, of us into groups. And uh, I'm sure Howard Bloom, I'm going to get him on the show very soon again to talk about this. You know, I think he would say, and he has said this to me before, you know, the competition is a good thing. It's okay to have teams and to compete. It's a peaceful way versus having to go to war. And I think he's got a great point. I also think, though, that, you know, when you get so attached, that's the whole point. It's great to enjoy the game. I actually watched the game myself. I'm not really a big football fan. I could care less who wins. The commercials really were why I watched the show. But when you get so attached to having to be right, right, to self-righteousness or to your team being the team, it's that attachment that foments that emotional tornado that culminates in this sense of grandiosity and of nationalism, really, um, that happens to make people want to do crazy things. I mean, one thing I got to say about when I was in the gym after 9-11, 
so many guys were saying we have to nuke Afghanistan. We have to, I mean, I'm talking, it was so, such the, the thing, especially in the gym, you know, these typical aggressive, strong guys and stuff. And they were so angry. And again, this is the thing. This is part of the reason why I could see why society would demonize masculine, over masculine people because they tend to want to blow things up. But again, nothing wrong with either one of these things. Both sides are right. It's, it all comes down to you. It isn't about the world and saving the world and telling them how they can achieve world peace. Because, you know, we're all fucked. Pardon my French. But it's about the balance inside you. It's about that inner peace that I brought back in the beginning of the show here. And so to you, I would say that you can walk in the midst of all the bullshit of your life with people that are screwing you over. With, with people showing favoritism to other people that you know is unfair, as an example, right? That you can not get so caught up in the drama, as Lao Tzu says, right? Know the personal, but stick to the impersonal. Nobody's doing anything against you personally, okay? This is not an insult to your team, whether they win or lose. You don't have to go out and get a machete and kill somebody or, or like soccer fans shooting people or whatever, or you know maybe going ballistic in your house and beating people up, whatever it is. Don't get so attached to it. Okay, it's just the bullshit of the, of the world. So if you get passed over per, per promotion, if you complain to somebody about what's going on and, and you realize that you know, you're not being listened to, hey, you know what? It's okay. There's always a positive to every negative. You just need to stop and in the moment create a space of awareness. Take a breath, a sacred breath. Again, we did a whole show on oxygen and breathing. And in that moment of taking a breath, you can pause and reflect on the moment and balance out your own energy. And again, this is quantum physics again because there's nothing here. There's no matter. There's nothing. What's the matter? There's no matter. It's just a matter of, uh, or if you want to use again the analogy of, of stopping and looking at the situation and realizing that the balance of the polarities, right? Right now you're very negative because your boss has been screwing you over and he's been giving somebody else promotions. Stop. Look at the upside. Look at what the opportunities are here as well. And in seeing that polarities, you neutralize the charge and you are back in control of your life and you're moving forward, right? You're moving forward to actually having the kind of life that you dream of, whether that means getting another job or, or having the, the courage to step up and tell your boss exactly what you think is going on, to risk, to take the conscious risk, right, in spite of the consequences. That's what it all, it's all about, really. That's what about, you know, transcending the matrix is all about. So once again, thanks for tuning in. This is Quantum Physiques. I'm your host, Brian Cunningham. Next week, we got a phenomenal guest, Native American, quantum healer, naturopathic doctor, Bear Walker's going to be on. So make sure you tune in. He's got a lot of cool stuff. He works with athletes. He's worked with football teams as well. Phenomenal guest. You got to tune in. You're going to love this guy. See you next week. Quantum Physiques with Brian Cunningham is dedicated to harnessing the power of the holy grail of health, fitness, lifestyle, and success. And you'll hear Quantum Physiques every Wednesday evening only on rxmuscle.com.